passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Rocking and rolling here on a Wednesday and uh, lots to get to. So we've got a few sort of uh, position coach movements. we got some transfer portal buzz, especially as it pertains to the future of the Jed Fish era at Washington. Uh, Bud's back, so we got to find out what the deal is with Tennessee's new five-star quarterback commitment. The big topic that we've got coming up in just a little bit was just an opportunity for us to have our own version of Mythbusters. No copyright, space or no space, whatever we need to you know, be in. This is parody. That's right. Fair use. Anyway, we're going to take for a focus on NIL transfer portal, just basically take some of the common notions such as, is it possible to spend $13 million on a portal hall? Huh? Does, does the math even math like that? We'll get into all that in a little bit, but we want to begin with something that's bubbling um, sort of right in front of our faces. Feel like it could happen at any minute. And, and I apologize, um, gentlemen, because I was the one who cried wolf yesterday. Okay. I, I I lit the Harbaugh warnings, okay? I didn't say, I didn't put the sirens out there, but I at least had the warnings going as reports from uh, NFL Network uh, indicated that uh, the phrase was striking distance. The Chargers were in striking distance of landing a deal with Harbaugh. Our own Dennis Dodd, you know, comes forth with more reporting about what the negotiations with Michigan are like, and they do seem to be ongoing. Danny, What's what? What is your latest read on Jim Harbaugh and where he will be coaching in 2024? I was on HQ set and uh, we were doing a one o'clock. This is yesterday. One o'clock. We're doing NFL conference championship weekend preview. So we do that. And then our guy, Jack, our producer gets in my ear and he says, stick around. We're doing Harbaugh. 
And I was like, ooh, is this the news? And then I think I even texted you guys like, hey, hey, if there's breaking news, I'm here. We'll be ready. We'll work around it. I mean, it sure felt like it was done, you know, striking distance. Like you said, I started to buy in. There was even reports that Jesse Minter might go with him. Um, There's an offer on the table from Michigan. There was front office discussions that made. I just wonder if all these people don't realize who they're dealing with. And I think Jim Harbaugh is very unique. And I think of all these things that get right there and it feels like you're there, Jim Harbaugh might at the last second be like, you know what? I like being a Michigan man. You know, like it wouldn't surprise me at all. So I'll go back to what I've maintained since day one. I, I, nothing will surprise me. Like if he comes back to Michigan, I won't be shocked. If he's announced within an hour after of our show that he's the head coach of the Chargers, I won't be shocked. If it's the Falcons, wouldn't be shocked. Like nothing will surprise me. I'll say this though. I do think we should wait to do anything until he's at the podium, like in the chargers gear with the bolts and like, Hey, here you go. Because I don't think anybody has a real feel for what he's going to do, but it does feel like it's imminent. What I appreciate about Jim Harbaugh, and I think he's the perfect test case for this is he, the way he exposes the stupidity of the industry. Like what, what was the phrase chip that they, they were reporting yesterday? Striking distance within striking distance. What like <clears throat> with coaching searches this offseason, why did everybody go woes at the draft all of a sudden? Like it used to be <clears throat> in the NBA draft because ESPN and the NBA asked them not to spoil the picks. Adrian Wojnarowski would you know tweet, This team is zeroing in on this player, which was just code for this is who they're gonna draft. Why do we have to do that with coaching searches? Why is it like every report about a coach now is Duke is zeroing in on this person? They are targeting. Are they hiring them or not? And so, be, it, okay, go ahead. I, I this has happened for a couple of years in a row, and I think it's because of the want for guys who report coaching search stuff to get out more content, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like five six years ago, it was like, okay, what can we really report? And there was a lot of stuff we knew. And then the editor would be like, well, if it's not official, like we shouldn't report it. I'm like, no, bullshit. Like, hey, if we know like this is who they're really going after, that's a news item. Okay. It may not actually happen, but like if if your sources are telling you it's close, throw it out there. You know, and, and I think the language that, that the reporters now, you know, like a Thamel or, or whoever else, they, the, what they couch it in is really kind of brilliant from a content creation standpoint. But that's the thing. Well, it's creating content. It's not reporting. Right. Like, well, if, no, you're confident, if you're confident that this is happening, say they're going to hire them. And Don't this say is they're in striking distance and they're zeroing in on them because that's bullshit. That's the bullshit. Maybe that's that, just but, creating but if, content for the day for your NFL Plus Network show to get people to tune in to watch so you can say they're within striking distance. It's like they've been within striking distance of it for a month now because we've known he's interviewed for the job and we know he's coming back for a second interview. So saying they're within striking distance doesn't mean anything. It's just pay attention to us for five minutes. That's all this is. We need something to talk about today. I'm trying to think if I disagree with this or not. I, I, I sort of do because if he goes back for the second interview, clearly like they like him some. Mm-hmm. Reporting that is it is within striking distance is letting the audience know that things are progressing past just the second interview. Like he's probably seen as the lead candidate. They are working, you know, towards a deal, right? Like you're not working towards a deal with multiple guys, probably. Like you're probably going to work one at a time. Until you see if it happens or not, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, but I, also, I get it. it. Used to be it's also a way to be soft. first. But if you're wrong, you could say, "Well, I never said it." 
Yes. Right? Like that to me is where I have a problem with it because you can claim afterwards, hey, I was the one who reported it. But if it doesn't go, then you'll be like, I never said it was done. I said it was striking distance. It was them that backed out. I think it's like a lot of things in our society today, just journalistically, like the standard has been lowered. Yes. Which, I mean, I think that's what this is. There's blurred lines between what is reporting it and what is not. It's also all coming from the NFL side. All of the information that we are referencing are NFL-based reports. So I, as I mentioned uh, in the group chat, my spidey sense is that the Chargers would love to introduce Jim Harbaugh. And the (laughs) Chargers would love to be able to get the headlines out there that we're, oh, we're in striking distance. Don't y'all worry. We're going to show you. We're going to land him while we don't have any of our trusted voices on the college side coming out here with this like long list of all these details. So one side in these negotiations is springing a bunch of leaks. And the other side, as Danny mentioned, we cannot trust until there's a podium out there. Like until there is a release from Michigan saying like, we thank Jim Harbaugh for everything he's done and we wish him well. And either, you know, that's in the decision tree. We're going to promote Sharon Moore or famous words. A national search will begin immediately. Like until we hear that, that official release, then yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be hard for us on the college side to feel like we've got the inside. A lot of this feels like it's coming from the Chargers. Again, it felt imminent yesterday, and the entire day came and went. Um, you know, I got the text like, "What's your availability tonight?" I told him from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. If it pops, you know, I can I can jump on. I mean, the HQ research department pulled all of its information together. We were on the cusp of hitting the sirens, but it didn't happen. And that, could it happen today? Sure. But it might also might not. Behind the scenes, you should be getting ready for it. On the the camera, you don't need to just say crap just to say crap. But that's what we do. Well, we do. But that's because we are an entertainment product. A well-informed entertainment product. Yes, this show is an entertainment product. Reporting isn't entertainment. Correct. But that line has been blurred. Yeah, That line has been blurred for a long time now. It's been, you know... Mm -hmm. And it just pisses me off. Um, sure. By the way, do I know Tom knows? But do you know that Ward Emanuel Ward Manuel was trending today? No. Do you know why they were trending today? Because Michigan fans are seeing their head coach who just led them to three straight Big Ten titles and a national championship out here floating in the wind, not committing to this supposed one hundred and twenty-five million dollar offer, while also. Your men's basketball team. Tom, what happened last night with the Wolverines? Oh, they got shellacked. 99 to 67. They have fallen to 7 and 12 overall, 2 and 6 in Big Ten play. And so a Michigan fan is sitting there watching Jim Harbaugh maybe go to the NFL and Jawan Howard just leading this program to the worst conference record in the Big Ten. At least he didn't hit anybody, though. <laughs> this time. <laughs> we already had the strength coach, you know, issue from earlier this year. It's a, it's a, it is a wild. I do not envy the position of Michigan's administration right now, uh, unless Jim Harbaugh does sign, put his name on that dotted line. And the reports out there, like if you were looking for a reason why Harbaugh wouldn't come back, if you believe the stuff that they don't talk, that this relationship is beyond repair, that there's this you know dissension, then if you're looking for a reason. And you don't want to believe that Harbaugh wanted to chase NFL dreams and you know aspirations. Maybe it is because of Ward Manuel. So he's clearly going to take some brunt 
of the criticism. Mm. We'll say if you're going to fight like a coach on your staff, why is the strength coach the guy you're choosing? That should be the last guy on the power rankings of my coaching staff that I'm trying to fight. Strength coach is dead last. Mm. Mm -mm. Uh, Dennis Dodd again, I'll, I'll say he's got a good story on CBSSports.com right now about some of the uh, negotiations on the college side, Harbaugh, Michigan, trying to figure out what sort of provisions would be in that contract that would keep him from getting fired for cause if there are any uh, significant penalties from the multiple uh, NCAA investigations. All right, let's rock through a few other headlines right here. The first one is LSU has its new offensive coordinator, and it is someone who is already on staff. Quarterbacks coach Joe Sloan has been promoted to offensive coordinator. Uh, we also have Cortez Hankerton gets a co-OC title as well. Um, Bud, what do you make of uh, this decision right here? I know that you had mentioned Joe Sloan as somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, I mean, good opportunity for him. Uh, what does it say about your expectations for LSU's offense as it goes into 2024? I think LSU's offense is going to continue absolutely killing it. I mean, they, they Joe Sloan's done a nice job with the quarterbacks there. Jaden Daniels, I know he was throwing to two, according to the latest mock drafts, two first-round receivers and you know probably two pretty high NFL draft picks there uh, blocking for him at the tackle spots. But I think Joe Sloan did a nice job with Jaden Daniels helping him out, and that just makes sense to promote him. I think if you didn't promote him, you probably could have lost him to another, to another school, right? So – uh, if you got a guy who's a commodity like that, not only in the coaching, uh, but in the recruiting side, it, it kind of makes sense to trust him. Uh, and you know, Brian Kelly's an offensive guy, too, so I'm sure he's still going to have his hands on the offense. Uh, but I, I think it's probably a, a good hire. I, look, my only real concern with LSU is their lack of use and success in the transfer portal on defense. Like, as of now, it looks like LSU is just going to run it back with the defensive roster they have. And I think that's an answer. Or I think that's really a recipe to get run out of the building again, like they did. I mean, I don't trust the corners they have on the roster. I don't really trust what they have along the defensive line. Like they've lost a couple guys to the draft early. Um, they got Bo Davis, and that's great for the future. But if LSU doesn't do something in the spring transfer window to address the defensive side of the ball in the portal, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to be that good of a team. Hankton, look, by the way. Maybe my, they like their guys a lot better. Yeah, my apologies to Cortez. Hankton, not Hankerton. My fault. Any other, uh, Tom? Uh, my favorite, I saw like a conspiracy theory about this from fans. Um, Brian Kelly's promoting internally because he doesn't want to take the actual OC he wants because he wants to make sure he's still available for when he leaves to take the Michigan job. <laughs> that's that's the message board conspiracy going on around here right so no, I, I think it makes sense i think promoting from within considering how well that offense did last year makes all the sense in the world and i'm kind of with bud it's the defense on that team that has me concerned going to next year not who their offensive coordinator is they do have to replace a quarterback who played i mean heisman trophy level play all season mm -hmm. long i mean i think continuity is good but that's more i'm more curious to see is what does the next guy look like in that system not to mention their top two receivers right coming up on the other side we jump on into the transfer portal some recruiting headlines and we'll start busting some myths next 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, Will Rogers entered the transfer portal after Kalen DeBoer uh, made the move to Alabama. We remember Austin Mack followed Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. Will Rogers is not he is going to be back with the huskies also washington coach jed fish uh goes back to arizona adds running back jonah coleman here danny when you see uh will rogers being able to to stick there he noah fafita stuck with um stuck with arizona mcmillan stuck with arizona it, do you do you foresee this being a a move that helps washington in terms of their outlook for 2024 uh, yeah, from stability, from experience, from leadership, absolutely. But I was thinking about this from Will Rogers' standpoint, right? Like he mm. went to Washington thinking he's going to be handed the job. Then he probably, wa- I mean, he was there on the sidelines, you know, watching guys warm up. He sees Austin Mack and the dude's got a cannon, 6'6", six, six, like he's got all the skill set that he's looking for. Then you bring your coach leaves, your offensive coordinator that you signed up to go play for, and you're thinking maybe he's going to bring Noah Fafita with him. And you're thinking, holy cow, this is an entire different situation than what I bargained for. But then all of a sudden, Austin Mack leaves. He goes to Tuscaloosa. Fafita stays. And you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe this is a great opportunity for me to play. So I think from a leadership standpoint, you know, from experience, the dude's played a lot of football. I'll be curious to see kind of what the system looks like that he's in. But I think it's a good thing. Like, it was the first... I wouldn't say the first, but it's a good news story for uh, for Washington to be able to have a guy like this that brings some stability in which a roster has been devastated. I also have concerns about the guys he's going to be playing with, but I think it's a good option to have and probably most likely their day one starter. Fine with it. Like, I don't think Will Rogers is anything special, but at least he brings some stability to that program. Um, you know, Washington is losing – Shoot, almost every starter that just played in the national title game. Um, you know, I, I there was a scenario in which I think they could have been good for this upcoming year, and I don't want to write them off because we don't know what will happen in the spring portal window. But uh, you know, I I don't think they're like a top twenty-five level team now uh, with everything they've lost. I think Will Rogers helps Washington feel fairly comfortable that they're going to make a bowl still, pending what they do in the spring. Given that the schedule is pretty tough, they do enter the Big Ten, um, you know, mm-hmm. which is, I think going to be tougher than most years of the Pac-12. Last year's Pac-12, to be fair, was pretty tough, and Washington had the worst of it. At, at least, I, eh. yeah, they, Washington had one of the tougher schedules in, in the Pac-12 this year in terms of who they missed and you know, who they didn't miss. So, uh, it helps bring some stability to Washington. I, I don't think he's anything special, but it, it doesn't 
he's not an unknown. Yeah, I don't have too much to add to any of that. Um, he's he's not Michael Penix, but like you guys have both touched on, and we talked about a little bit on Monday. Like one of the things with Michael Penix is they've been around so long that there's really nothing you could throw at them that they haven't seen. So if you're Will Rogers, you don't have the arm talent Michael Penix does. You're not going to be running the same offense Michael Penix ran. You won't have the same weapons available to you. But you've seen enough that we can put an offense around you, send you out there, and be confident that you're not going to actively hurt us and you could help us. So I think that kind of experience will certainly help this transition for them in the first year of a new coaching staff after losing so much. And that, I think, a steadying force is important to have with all the change going on in that program. Yeah, 38 career starts. Mm -hmm. That ain't nothing. Um, Like, the obviously, the numbers, you know, 1,301 completions, uh, that was all at Mississippi State, and that ranks as the most in SEC history. Um, You know, he is currently top 40 in the career passing yards in NCAA history. So, depending on how things go, he will likely be climbing that and finish, you know, who knows where, depending on um, health and everything else. But, Tom, I I think you've got it dialed. It is not wild – because there was another quarterback who we questioned sort of you know, whether a move would be good for them, leaving the SEC. And now, granted, Washington's going to, uh, going to the Big Ten now. But could Will Rogers have a Bo Nix-like resurgence here? Could he connect with – and by the way, another thing that um, he said was Jed Fish's NFL experience was a big part of this. He knows mm-hmm. that right now he is not high on anybody's board. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nix wasn't high on anybody's board either until all of a sudden you get in there. So I think this is an opportunity for Rodgers and obviously great for Washington to be able to have a quarterback with so much experience to hold things down offensively for the Huskies. Yeah. Uh, yes, he can take a step forward. He can improve. He can get better. I think that he is more of an ant- he has to be within the structure from you know what I, I've seen of him at Mississippi State. It has to be within the structure of the play for him to really have success. He's not something somebody that does well when things break down. So if you put him in that kind of system, and I think there are also NFL teams that their entire offense is based very similar to those kind of principles. Like if you look at a lot of the Kyle Shanahan teams, it's a lot of anticipation and structure. Like those are the kind of quarterbacks they look for. Will Rogers is the kind of guy who could fit in that. It's just, does he have the zip and the overall arm strength that you need to compete at the next level? I don't know if Jetfish can give him that. That's true. Um, from the recruiting trail, a story that I believe broke on Monday morning. Uh, five-star quarterback George McIntyre, this is from the 25 cycle, commits to Tennessee. Uh, another five-star quarterback, the heir apparent to Nico, if the commitment holds. We mentioned it. Uh, on Monday's show, but we weren't going to feign or fake our way through a profile, not without Bud here. So, Bud, what do we uh, what do we see in McIntyre? What kind of player is this for the Vowels? So, I think Tennessee fans should be really excited here because you're, you're getting one of the more... There you go. <laughs> I, I, I think Tennessee's getting one, like one of the more toolsy quarterbacks in the class. Uh, we, we have him as one of the top-rated quarterbacks so far. Again, you know, want to see guys play their senior seasons. For quarterbacks, we, we really do value that quite a bit. We want to see that progression. We want to see you at Elite 11. I want to see you in, in challenging situations. Uh, and can you make quick decisions and, and all, all the kind of stuff that we'll do out there with them. But I, I kind of see McIntyre as a cross between like a Riley Leonard and a Drew Locke, okay? So think like taller basketball background, 
athletic, but not like a crazy burner. You know, Drew Locke ran four six nine at the combine. Like he's actually Drew Locke was a a decent shooting guard prospect. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but that was you know I, I saw him. I saw him at Chicago Elite Eleven in twenty fourteen or fifteen. We, we we did it at the Bears uh, facility that year. It was indoors, but like big time arm. Need, needs to learn more touch and anticipation, I think, which will be interesting. Very toolsy. Uh, I mean, McIntyre's like 6'5". I think he has the frame to add more weight, but that's kind of what I see him as, like, like a bit of like, like a Riley Leonard, Drew Locke cross. You know, big arm, want to see more touch and anticipation. I think he's got the real mobility to be somebody who can be a threat as a runner, but not somebody you're like, I, I need this guy to run it 10 times a game in college. So I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you're pretty excited about this. Is that okay, here's oh we oh, go ahead. Is the no, go, uh go. is the quarterback room sort of set up like this is the way it's gonna go? Nico takes over in twenty four, holds it down for twenty five, and then you hope McIntyre's ready to go in twenty six? I, I think so because the kid they, they grabbed um this year is is not toolsy, right? Mm-hmm. He's more like accurate anticipation, uh, Jake Merklinger, who I saw at the uh, Elite Eleven Orlando Regional, you know, he's out of Savannah. But not a, not a massive arm, but a guy just you know, kind of clean stroke, consistent anticipatory. It's a different type of skill set than what a Nico has or what a McIntyre has. McIntyre, by the way, is also the nephew uh, of Mike McIntyre, who's the coach at FIU. He was the coach at Colorado, so you know, been around football. Uh, all his life, I believe his his uh, grandfather also played for Vanderbilt. So, I, I, a pretty intriguing prospect that I'm I'm excited to see. I I have never seen this kid do anything. So, I mean, <laughs> same. I've I've never seen him put on socks. I don't. I, it's it's so I, I have no idea what he's good. My my question is, does the name concern you at all? Like, does George McIntyre strike you as a good quarterback name? Because I'm going <laughs> through my brain of trying to think of like. Who was no boo me all you want? I don't care. I'm asking questions that matter. Like Jeff George, but that wasn't his first name. It was his name was Jeff. And then like George Blanda is really the only QB I could think of who was ever named George. So like I just feel like there's a very low hit rate on George's at QB. So from that aspect, this kid's gonna end up playing at like I don't know. Maybe he'll join his his uncle at FIU. I, I will say um, there are some interesting names coming up. So. Uh, like, is George a, a typical name that we see for George McIntyre for quarterback? Not really. Bro, there's a Dashton. See, that's Not a cool Dashton. QB name. But just Dash- Dashton yeah. on my son's T-ball team. I'm like, oh, wasn't there a what? player I just saw that was a Dash? There's like three different spellings of Braden. Yeah, see, these are QB names. These are like, you know, oh, uh, ooh, look, at, there comes Dashton. Oh, boy. You know, he's the cool kid in school. I've never George, is, George has never been the cool kid in school. George is George Costanza. He's the, he's the dork. Yeah, Dash Beerly. Dash Beerly decommitted from Arizona to go to Washington. See, Dash. Just saw that's that post a QB the other day. Name. Is Dash so short dope. for Dashton? Have you, have you guys ever heard the name Dashton? No, no, this is a first. That's me, me too. Yeah, and and like I see all these rosters for all these camps and combines, and I there's a lot of names. I'm like, that's the first time I've ever seen that name, or that's the first time I've ever seen that name spelled that way. Well, I mean, we're in Air Noland era, mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, we're, we're obviously that's, like we've jumped the shark on that one. You go George, to I just George Googled McIntyre it. actually. Uh, George McIntyre finished T six at the Open Championship uh, at Royal Portrush. You know. 
Look at that. If I uh, our window, I think is closed. I keep trying to slip one past the goalie, but my wife is not having it. If we had a boy, first one would be Danny. Second one, Cannon. Oh, see, that's a quarterback <laughs> right there. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Cannon Canel. Cannon Canel. I mean, oh my God. Auto four star, overall pick. We're gonna consider the five. I'm yeah. tiring off that kid all day long, but I don't know if it's ever gonna happen. <laughs> Cannon Canel. CK. Cannon right, is a great it. name. Yeah. I can already tell you Cannon Canel is Pete Prisco's favorite QB in this year's draft. <laughs> he's got the fire in the belly. He's 6'4", and he's got Tony a huge is arm. He's the best right. Tony is 100% right. Tony Sandy in the cover three tailgate says, George McIntyre does my taxes. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, you know how like you can Google like what certain names mean, which is probably all BS anyway? <laughs> Results return zero for Dashton. So <laughs> that, like, that, that's a made-up name. What does it say for air? <laughs> <laughs> for air? Yes, oh, Nolan. don't name him Tate. That's a great call. If you want your if you want your son to be a quarterback, well, I don't know if we've seen it. We've seen a lot of Tates get high recruiting ratings. Ooh, I don't yeah. know if we've seen. I mean, we're like zero for four, right? Four CA. Yeah, I was going four mm-hmm. CA Martell. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. there's Tate. You, you you got you got to stick to whatever that full name is. Uh, I'm, I'm or at least like choose the middle name. Tate's not going to get you there when it comes to uh to being that five star. No, excuse me. When it comes to having that five star rating pan out on the other side of a college, uh, one college kept you out of the playoffs too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I would apologize to any Georges listening, but they know. Like every George <laughs> that's listening right now is like, yeah, no, I couldn't be a quarterback. No, but listen, I trust George to hold down right guard. Yeah. George could play tight end. He could be an all-pro tight end. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know if George can be a wide receiver. You know, it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride with those Georges. George Pickens. Yeah. Pickens it's like, kind of what I'm thinking about right now. It's like, you know, as long as as long as everything's going great, you could play wide receiver named George. But the second something goes wrong, he's he's gonna remove your name from his Instagram profile. Oh, Rotomaker. That's another well, that's take. I kept sh- you out of the playoffs. That's why I was <laughs> like, it's a jinx. Maybe it's just the name. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, it wasn't man. his fault. That's not his fault. All right. So here's a, it was a, a rumor that was uh, bubbling around uh, on the internet, and it reached the point that a sitting SEC coach decided that he would share it on Twitter. It's the rumor that Ohio State spent $13 million on its transfer portal hall. We, we don't think that's right. In fact, we're almost positive that's not right. And it led to a lot of other conversations with fans about what is and isn't true about the hearsay around NIL and the transfer portal. So we're going to do a little bit of myth busting. Next. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, Five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. 
If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. So today is January the 24th, which means that there are four days left for you to go and vote for us, the Cover 3 podcast, in the Best American Football Podcast category in the Sports Podcast Awards. We've been a finalist before, but we want to win it this time. and We need your help to do that. So scan the QR code that's on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube. In the episode description, we will put uh, the link for you to go and vote. And the whole process of voting only takes about 30 seconds Thank you so much. Every single time we've been mentioning it on the show, you know, we get the response from the Cover 3 tailgate. Voted just now. Already voted. We love it. We love to see all of y'all support. Y'all have helped us get to this place that we are a two-time finalist in the Best American Football Podcast category. But this time, we want to bring home the hardware. You can help us with that. Again, in the episode description, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, we'll have a link. There's a QR code on the screen right now as well all right let's do a little and if you know if this this goes well we'll keep doing it all through uh over the next couple months find popular misconceptions and break them down with a little myth buster here so bud pretty dialed in on the player personnel side of things 13 mil for a transfer portal hall how's that work math ain't mathing for that it doesn't like if, if Ohio State is spending thirteen million dollars on a transfer portal class. Ohio State's doing like some serious money laundering. Okay, like this is just not a thing that that is. is. So I did a little exercise. Like, what is the absolute highest number for each of these transfer portal players that I could see somebody who is like not on mushrooms paying? <laughs> and I, I looked at it. All right, let's just go with like the highest that's been rumored out there, and then we'll sum it all up. Okay. okay, so Caleb Downs, $2 million a year. Now, do I believe Caleb Downs is getting $2 million a year? I don't. Do I think he's like one of the best college safeties since Mika Fitzpatrick and like a Derwin James? Yeah, I do. Like, clearly, I, he's an absolute stud. But I don't really buy that $2 million number. I guess, in theory, it's feasible, but still, I feel like that's incredibly high. But let's just go for it. For the sake yeah. of argument, fine, whatever. All right, Will Howard. I think the top quarterback this year probably got slightly over one and a half because that's kind of where I think negotiations were at when, you know, Ward was was playing around with going to the NFL. So maybe they're a little bit more got thrown at him to decide to, hey, you want to play college football or not. So we're at three and a half. Howard a million. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. You're not even going to give him one and a half with the borderline mushrooms? Right. Um, I'm I'm, going to give him a million. Um, The center from Alabama who couldn't snap the ball. Even if you're moving him to guard, I uh, maybe 300, okay? Okay. All right, Julian's saying we know what some of like, the absolute best five-star quarterbacks have got because the Tennessee contract got leaked with Nico. Saying is not a Nico-level talent. Talent. Now, he may be a better player long-term, but you know, on, on a, uh, measurables and talent, not. I gave him a million. Huge head. All right. All right. Because technically he's a transfer because he signed with Alabama. He was on campus for like – couple days and then he transferred and then Quinshaw Judkins I don't think there's no way they paid him a million when they already have Travion Henderson on the roster 
right? So I gave him 800. Okay, so if you've got that, I've got you at 5.1. That right. was an extremely aggressive, because the, really? other funny, if the other funny thing of this, and like the starting point, is that there are only six players in this transfer portal class. Right. <laughs> See, well, like, are you going to get zero in IL? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to tell me that? Um, so, like last year, Colorado had fifty transfer portal players. They weren't all, you know, of that level. But if you wanted to run up a big number, you got to get like 23, 24, Which, by the way, is usually what Ole Miss is hitting in terms of their transfer portal classes. You've got to get you know, double digits all the way up. You're not going to get it done at six. I five point one is where you're at right now, and I still think it's probably less than that. Yeah, if you gave me the over-under of 5 mil for how much Ohio State spent on his transfer portal class, I'm taking the under. If you gave me 13, I'm taking the under for like my house, Danny's house, everybody's house. Because like, like Ohio State did not spend $13 million this year on their transfer. It just I know enough guys in the collective and NIL space to know. I don't know exactly what a guy gets always, but I know what they don't get, okay? And they did not get $13 million. Like That is just not... A thing now for their overall NIL payroll, I think 13 could be a little bit high, but I buy it because they the did guys they convinced guys. to stay. Yeah, yeah. They also had some big battles to fight down the stretch. Jeremiah Smith, number one player in the entire country out of high school. They also kept the defensive lineman Houston. My guess is those guys weren't cheap. Okay, you know if Jeremiah is getting a million or something, I kind of buy that because I think he's a guy who's going to play for them immediately. You know, and potentially the ceiling is about as high as any receiver we've ever seen. So, yeah, um, thirteen million for their entire roster this year because of how many guys they kept from going to the draft, who mm-hmm. probably made good decisions to come back. Let's be real. I do kind of buy that, and that to me would be one of the higher numbers in college football. Uh, thirteen. Like, I don't think there's very many teams that are over ten. Doesn't this seem a little sliced breadish? The 13 for the transfer class, for sure. The right. 13 for the entire roster, I, I don't think is totally insane. That was an incredible right. reference, Danny. We haven't heard yes. slice bread in a long time. But. Right. And he had the accusation that Jimbo spent $30 million on the 2022 class mm-hmm. or 21 class. I forget right. what class it was. But to me, the like kind of the tie-in with it is like that story was a fabrication by a Twitter troll. This report that's out there, doesn't it feel awful fishy that it's the exact number that Ryan Day gave two years ago when he was yeah. like, hey, we need 13 million. And that's where I would say it comes into the, like if you had a salary cap or a salary budget, the 13 million makes a whole lot more sense. Completely. Yeah, I. I the only reason we really wanted to tackle this is like enough of our everyday listeners and viewers who we think are a pretty sharp crowd. Like they correct us on stuff. We like, we love interacting with, with the tailgate. They were like seriously asking about this in the chat and on Twitter. Come on guys, 13 million for a transfer class is especially a five man transfer. Well, I guess they have six, but the one guy's not going to get it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They're they're That's not happening. So, but I don't believe that. I don't for, for Danny's reason. I don't believe the 13 as the number, but I believe 13 is the ballpark. Yes, sure. I, yeah. I believe that when you've got Denzel Burke, uh, JTT, um, Sawyer. Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, Travion Henderson, and not that Travion Henderson is going to command a lot, but I would assume Emeka Buka is another one that you got to remember. Again, not that he had a ton of leverage coming to the table, but if you're Ohio State and you are, as we have said, loading up intentionally in a way to attack 2024, 
then yeah, you're you're going to make sure that you take care of your guys. You make sure that they are going to be able to, um, you know, have a competitive number that to be able to stick with your team. Make sure the roster is locked and loaded. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. I'd be able to be no. uh, handle this. Uh, SMU made waves when they said we're going to play every player. We're going to play. We're going to pay every player. I think it was thirty-five grand was the number. Like they were all going to get it. And we all thought like that was a mismanagement, you know, misuse of their funding. Go out and get the big name players and screw the guys that aren't playing right. Like why are you having to pay everybody? At a place like Ohio State, at a place like Georgia, maybe Florida State, maybe a lot of big schools. Is there of 85 scholarships, are all 85 getting something? Is there like because Texas famously education has a factory? Yes, they are getting an education, Tom. Thanks for reminding people of that. But I feel like, and the more people I talk to, that answer is yes. Like if you are a scholarship player, you're getting something, and the number's probably bigger than I thought. Like I would say 40 or 50. I would say most guys are not getting anything substantial. But a lot of guys get something at a bare minimum. So if they do blow up, they they already have the relationship, you know, with the collective. Now maybe that's like five grand a year or something like so that. They so already it's that low. They, they already get the cost of attendance as well, right? So like mm. maybe the number being quoted is rolled up. Now some schools do do the sort of uh, you know basic income type thing, right? Which I I think is mismanagement of funds because the bottom like twenty five players on your roster are, are very fungible from a, a pure like roster value perspective. And I, I think that that is not uh, – I want to pay pay up for the premium guys. And if you are a guy who's never going to play for me and you're going to raise some problems because you're not getting money, see ya. Hit the portal. Like, it exists for a reason. I'm, I'm trying to win ball games here. So um, I would say most kids at most big schools get something. Some schools are pretty open about how everybody gets something. I know Texas Tech did, did the kind of UBI deal. Uh, but I wonder – NC State was doing that, mm-hmm. and I think they're not doing that anymore. I'm not saying that they're not like that. I don't think there's anybody there who's getting zero, but I don't think it's like everybody gets the same spread out. Like that's that's where I think is really going to go away. I I had heard that it was at least mentioned among um, people who are like with the that nil group that they were wondering mid-season if it was a mistake. I do not know if they have changed their approach, but that when the team is facing some adversity and the coaches, you know, switching out quarterbacks and players are getting hurt and a couple transfer portal guys haven't panned out that, you know, is it, does it send the right message to your locker room that guys can just be like, Oh, I mean like the season sucks. So the season's lost, but I'm getting paid. Like it's, you know, I don't know what their policy is moving forward. I cannot confirm or deny, but I do remember that there there was at least it was mentioned that as they're moving forward, um, it, w- it would be something to explore. So I, they listen whether it's Pack of Wolves, Savage Wolves, they do a great job of establishing relationships within the Raleigh community. They got some power players there. They they're going to look at NC State's transfer portal class, where it's not you know sitting there with Caleb Downs, it's not sitting there with Caden uh, Proctor, but they've addressed some needs. I think they're going to be in a good good shape in the ACC, but I, I think the, the UB, the universal basic income approach could face some challenges if your team faces adversity and you know, where's that, where's that kick in the pants from there? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And maybe do I sound old with that? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah, you sound like an old man. Just I mean, what happened? What happened? Yeah, what happened to hard work and determination and and, (laughs) and, and giving a crap about yourself? I I just want to point out I haven't said a word in this entire segment about Ohio State simply because I want to see what Ohio State fans say I say about them today. Oh, that's right. They were kind of coming at you. Um, all right. So, I want to know if we get credit for the downloads for the fake shows that happen in people's heads, because that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff that we didn't say that ha- is, yeah. is coming up. All right. So we had um, we had Spire. We had Will from Spire on the Cover 3 podcast. So, Bud, I'll, I'll, I'll let you sort of take the lead on this. For those, let's, if we were to just go NIL for dummies, what is pr- some of the, the basics of how NIL works? And, and let's be practical about it while also acknowledging the realities, right? Because there is, uh, you know, we're going to give you this much a month, but then there's the NCAA that's like, well, what are the deals for it? And, you know, how do you, you know, how does the collective get put that all together? Let's NIL for dummies. How do these kids get paid? So, all right. In theory, NIL uh, is name, image, and likeness. So it's supposed to, in theory, correlate with what your sort of fame and marketing value is in practice, they really set up NIL, they being the schools and, and, and the NCAA so that the schools wouldn't have to pay the players anything, right? They're like, okay, don't really care how it works a whole lot. As long as we don't have to be the ones funding it. Uh, so so we, we can stick it on the fans who care about winning a lot of ball games. And a lot of programs have fans who do care about winning a lot of ball games. Now, as far as NIL, if you're doing a deal with just a brand, then it just looks like a standard, marketing or advertising agreement. Um, if you're doing a deal with a collective, a lot of times what they'll do is do it as a marketing advance, right? So they're paying you for the entirety of your NIL rights over some period, basically your, your marketing and branding rights. And then they'll go and they'll shop that out. So you kind of agree to a deal with you know XYZ collective, you know, you're making X amount per month. Maybe you get a little signing bonus with that. Maybe there's some you know other bonuses that are timed uh, at certain times in the year within that deal that might also be time to uh, like maybe a week after the, cl- after the uh, transfer portal window closes. Oh, uh, oh, just, <clears throat> oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there may be some, you know, some future advanced type stuff that you have to pay back. If you happen to leave the school, uh, you may be signing over your NIL rights for a certain number of, uh, of years, which does have some complications if you're going to transfer somewhere. So it's not a buyout, but it's kind of a pseudo buyout and i think some guys probably have to pay those back to certain you know, to different schools if they do leave uh, but ultimately i think for the really big guys not like a um like not like a shador or a travis hunter who are like legit celebrity celebrity guys like probably not a caleb williams but like for your guys who are celebrities within the huge college ball fan space because everybody knows how good they are but they're not like get stopped in a grocery store in a major you know, city type thing. Cam Ward. Correct. Cam Ward, um, you know, Walter Nolan, Caleb Downs. Okay. Like the average person on the street doesn't know what, like what Caleb Downs face looks like. We all know he's a stud. He's a Those guys, I think for the most part are signing like marketing deals with the collective, which think of it as like a marketing agency and they're getting marketing advances on it. And then the collective goes and farms out to whomever, who wants to work with them. And when the NCAA comes around, it's on the collective to be able to have some paperwork to say that these marketing deals are not just payments, which functionally they are. Correct. 
And in reality, uh, I would think that every uh, collective is kind of working with the recruiting department and it's like, all right, here's our budget. We, we took a question on this last show or a couple shows ago. Uh, like, do you think that these payments will closely resemble positional value? Oh, yeah. Like the NFL. And yeah, I think they mm-hmm. do, right? It's like, how much do you want to spend on the quarterback room? We had this with Oklahoma. We had this with Kansas State, right? If you got a young stud coming up, can you afford to pay both? Does it make sense? From a marketing standpoint, of course it makes sense. From a roster management standpoint, not really. So that's basically how that works. We had a good question. Um, you cover three tailgate. As soon as the link goes live, if you want to come in and drop questions, especially as we're waiting for the show to start. So Kyle, what does an NIL contract look like? But I think you did a good with that. Here we go. There are rumors that Walter Nolan had a buyout that Ole Miss had to pay A&M because he left early. Feels like message board BS, but is that even possible? And how do you enforce that? It's certainly possible. Now, how do you enforce it if they're like, hey, you owe us this, and the kid's like, sue me for it. Mm. Do you want to be the first school to really sue a kid? (laughs) It doesn't look good, right? Of course, you could do it once he's off to the NFL if you want to. Uh, But no, you could absolutely put it in there. A a penalty for for breaking the contract, signing with a different agency. Yeah. What goes into a bidding war? So your agent's basically shopping you around. Yeah. Like... (laughs) He'll, he he really likes his school. He needs this amount. This is, kind is he of talking to the coaches? For. So coaches are talking to agent? I, I think for the most part, it's not directly with the coach. You know, it's probably. I think there's still, there's still some kind of old school bag man kind of separation anxiety st- type yeah. stuff going where the coach doesn't want to be directly involved. Correct. Yeah. Right. That That's. You're probably talking to the two different collectives. Hey, this this marketing agency collective is uh, giving me this, and uh, this one wants to give me this. And they might be like, "Well, state tax there is this, and you know it is a pain for your mom to fly all the way out there." And they they did go like four and eight this year, so you know, like you sure you want to go out like like you know wherever you're going. Um, but it, it's it's just like any kind of if if you're somebody who is a marketable person, you know, in like any of us, right? If our deal was up. Hey, you know, talking to whomever, right? Like, and trying to see who give you the best offer, basically. CNN Sports, dude. I think the dirty little secret, and this is why agents have had an absolute field day, um, and they're like pigs in slop right now, is NFL contracts the collectively bargained what an agent can take. It's three percent, but with marketing deals, which is technically what NIL is, they can now majority. Like I've done some marketing deals, it's twenty percent. What these agents are taking is they're raping these kids. 30%, some you've heard, 30% of the deals the agent is taking, which is highway robbery. Like, that is wrong. And I think that's one of the reasons that doesn't – like, I know coaches want regulation to help manage their rosters. Players need regulation to help them from getting robbed by these agents who are taking this much of their money. You know, even like a broadcast agent takes 10%, and they'll negotiate down – you're talking about 17, 18, 19-year-old kids who don't really know how to negotiate that, and they're just happy to be paid. Oh, I'm getting paid? Sure, send me the end money. Like, you just get the check. They don't. A lot of them don't realize how much they're getting taken advantage of right now. In almost all instances, it's the first deal a kid signed. So it's always their first time. And Danny's right. They do get robbed you know, quite a bit. 
uh, by some guys out there. But I think word starts to get around a little bit. You know, like, hey, like this, this guy, you know, pulled this kind of thing, and and players talk. It, it, the industry will evolve, you know, just as any industry does, right? But and, it's so new. You know, back back to the um, the the UBI comment. I I am in favor of a collectively bargained, structured, you know, salary style. Uh, arrangement for players who are competing at the highest levels. You know, we keep talking about getting there. We just don't know the mechanics of it, especially with the NCAA fighting at every single corner to be able to make sure that there are, there's a big voice somewhere that says that they're not employees. So, you know, as, as that continues to play out through the courts, I don't know when we will get to a collectively bargained future, but I would be in favor of it. Um, especially for, you know, allowing these players to have some protections and also preventing the donors from having to give. Because that's another thing. I I mean, do we talk about donor fatigue much on here? Because I think that's another part of this that's really, really tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all seen the uh y'all seen the Carolina fan who's been eating ramen for like nine days in a row? <laughs> he eats ramen for dinner every night. And then he donates to Carolina's NIL, and he started it after Mac Brown had that press conference. Wow! And he, I looked at his last update, and he was like, um, physically, don't feel well. Had some calf spasms, but emotionally and spiritually, I feel great. I love doing something for something bigger than me. But we can't have our donors eating ramen every night just so that you can protect your roster and be able to make a splash in the transfer portal. But I. I hear you. I agree with you. I don't. I think the system is flawed, and it does put like it's a. It's so weird that you have coaches making ten, eleven million bucks asking for more money to help pay their raw. It doesn't make any sense. But I don't know if we properly assess the crazy passion of college football fans. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen money raised to fire a coach, and I think losing is probably the biggest motivator. Like Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Told you my Ben Hartsock story. He got an email. Hey, we need your help because Michigan just won a national championship. We can't let that happen. So are your fans like, all right, let's go. We got to beat them. You know, same thing you see Texas A&M. We never thought in a million years Jimbo would be fired with a $76 $76 million buyout. They find the money. You know, like it's always there. I don't want it to have to be that. I hate the request, but I think sometimes we we don't accurately you know, get a handle on just how crazy fans are. Like the guy that's eating ramen so he can donate to the high health, you know, program. CJ Stroud, please give us 50,000 to 100,000. Please, for the love of God, Michigan just won the national title. I do think like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I I do think you touched on something there though, Danny, that is just kind of funny to me and just reflective of the insanity of the way that this sport works is that coaches are getting 10 million, but these collectives are sending you letter saying can you just donate 50 to 100 dollars to help out as a fan or an alumnus it's just it's like <sighs> there there are better ways to get the money especially because it's, it's, as long as one school has a billionaire that's just going to throw a bunch of money at you anyway it doesn't really matter how much you like you know crowdsource from your fans because there's always just one guy who can completely change everything anyway um mythbusters everybody tampers right am i wrong on that by the letter of the law. Is that an REM song? Every everybody <laughs> tampers. Sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I my assumption is that by the letter of the law for tampering, 
pretty much everybody could be found to have tampered. Does that sound right? Yeah, I I think so. I I, I can't just say that every single staff tampers. I mean, yeah, I don't know if UTEP is tampering. Maybe Pitt doesn't, right? I mean, like Narduzzi came out pretty hard against USC. So maybe he really doesn't. Maybe maybe the service academies don't don't tamper, right? Uh, maybe like like a Stanford or, or Vanderbilt, you know, don't tamper. Like some of them were you know, a- academic schools. I, I maybe Dabo doesn't tamper. I mean, like, there's no evidence that he does, right? Because there is not. Well, but I, I think when you say ta- everybody tampers, some member of every staff, I would say yeah. that's pretty safe. Even yeah, if keeping it's the like relationship. In, exactly. I think it's a relationship. I think that's the difference. I, and I kind of alluded to this, I think, on Monday. I'm saying, like, normally, if you turned a coach down, he'd cuss you out and say, see you later, and you'd never talk to him again. Now, there's always like, a, hey, it was great getting to know you. Let's stay in touch. And I think oftentimes the tampering is initiated by the player. Like he might ask a coach, hey, you know, what did you watch my game? Like they're they like the positive affirmation, they like it. So yeah, I think it's more relationships. I and I think it's almost impossible to monitor, uh, you know, unless somebody gives them the screen grabs. And I'm actually okay with it. But now, if you had the initiation of, do you want to come? You know, do you want to do you want to join us? Then I think that's where you cross the line. Or hey, here's our collective guy. That's the that's the tampering that I don't think you can have. If you have an assistant coach requesting for all of the detailed information about your current NIL deal and then being able to solicit the connections to a counter proposal, then yeah, I, I would say that that's tampering. But by the the letter of like communication between these massive staffs with all these coaches and all these personnel guys and all these different ways that you can talk, I kind of. I feel like everyone does tamper, but you're right. There are certainly some coaches who would probably turn their focus elsewhere. And at least by the evidence uh, suggested by transfer portal activity, you can point your fingers at a few others as well. All right. We want to do more myth busters. How about this Uh, Thursday, 11 AM Eastern time, you know, we're going to open up that big old bag of mail, but we also want to hear from you. What myths do you want? explored in future myth buster episodes of the cover three podcast today we did a little bit of nil we can dive into the transfer portal on a deeper level uh we can hit some of the coaching searches on a deeper level lots to be able to get to so let us know what you want to hear and again come on back thursday 11 a.m eastern time we always are interacting with the cover three tailgate you get here early you drop your question in i will hit it in the process of going through the big old bag of mail where if you leave us a five-star review and put your question in the review we will hit it in a mail bag episode and you can follow him on twitter at tom Fernelli. you can follow him at bud Elliott three you can follow him at danny Cannell. follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much if you think about it agents are just professional tamperers Sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.